It genuinely feels so good to be back on the microphone. I feel like we took way too long of a hiatus and we want to welcome everyone back to the new branded Consistency Wins podcast. Got so much feedback on our pilot episode. Just really excited to be back on the mic doing this weekly, man. Yeah, I mean, hiatus for sure as far as like us going dark and not putting stuff out, but we've definitely been been building and building and building, that's for sure. Oh yeah, everything's been going on behind the scenes and we built a really solid foundation, I would say over the last two to three years of just constantly bringing value, constantly brainstorming the things we want to do. We've done everything up to this point of just simple sweat equity and now we're starting to see the, the, the fruit of our labor, man. I'm so excited. Talk about the uh, talk about our webinar that we just had. Yeah, we just had a webinar. We do monthly webinars with our group, and those are completely free as of now. And we had Sandra Kochman on, and she does spiritual healing. She's also a realtor at the same time. So she went through a meditation for us. She walked through the 12 spiritual laws, and then she did a Reiki session virtually. And I've done Reiki in person. Very, very, very powerful uh, healing tool if you're open to it. We got a massive, massive response from the group. I think we had over 40 people on that webinar which was a, a really solid turnout and everyone thought it was amazing. So I'm really glad we were able to bring value there for sure. hundred percent, man. It was, it was cool to see everybody come through. Um, our webinars went from eight to basically 80 people in, in a six month, eight month span. Uh, well, really more than, more than that, like what a year and a half span. Yeah. Um, Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I, I would say yeah. even less like until once we started focusing on, you know, intentionally building this group, I would say within six months, we got from 15 people to now we're at 83 as of as of today, which is March 30th. And it's been sick. We're going to have by April, we'll have over 100 people in the group and everyone's just ready to serve. That's the coolest part. Nobody's trying to take. Everyone's just trying to give. And, you know, what better way to introduce the person that we have in this interview today as someone who's a giver, who's so selfless. Um, he's wrote a book that we'll talk to you guys about, and he's an active member of our group. The fact that we are have such higher caliber people in this group, I was selling it on the webinar. This is not this group where we're going to try and inspire you to take action. This group is already people that are, have already taken action. So now we're just talking about helping each other, you know, get through the hurdles. How can we accelerate? How can we continue to serve each other as opposed to like the foundational level stuff where you maybe go to a seminar and they're just trying to talk to you that bad, that foundation level stuff. And it's just, it doesn't resonate anymore because I've read the books. I've taken the action already. And most of the people that are in this group, I would say 90% of them fall under that criteria. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe go into Keegan and his background just briefly, but get into it pretty heavy as far as the interview goes, but can maybe just give everybody a, a quick intro to him before we, we hop into the interview. Yeah. Don't want to spoil it, but Lan and I are taking the podcast a lot more intentionally than we have in the past. So we're, we're listening to a lot of the episodes before taking better notes, giving you guys the best overall summary so you know what to look for in the podcast. This one, when we when we interviewed Keegan, I would say this this episode's been a couple months in the pipeline now. We we looked at each other like, wow, this dude is this dude is on something serious. So um we have Keegan Schaefer. He goes by Coach Keeg. He uh you know does all types of life coaching, business coaching, just an awesome dude. His story and his background is wild. And I won't go too deep into it, but he had one of the most troubling backgrounds that I've heard from someone that is in any level of success right now. And it, it's really cool to see him overcome that. So like it made you realize like, what the fuck is your excuse? You have none. Um, and he talks about how he took a solution to a problem. He was finding problems within his family and friends. 
He took that solution and eventually created a business out of it. And people were just craving to, you know, serve his business. And that's kind of what we've done here. What the the solution to the problem that we faced is us as athletes, right? We lost our identity coming out of college, had no idea what the hell we were going to do with our lives, couldn't figure it out, couldn't have people that we resonated with because all our friends were probably just not, not on the same wavelength. We knew we were destined for greatness. We just thought that our sport was the vehicle for it. And now we're left with nothing, right? What we needed was a community. What we needed was steps to take action. That's what we provide here with Consistency Wins. We provide those action steps, the foolproof plan, the community around it, um, the the podcasts, the the books, all that stuff. That's all wrapped up in Consistency Wins and an action plan that literally allows you to take the emotions out of it and hit goals in perpetuity. So Keegan also talks about in this interview, one of the lines that I always wrote down, because this resonates with me so much, was does this serve me, right? When he's making decisions in his life, he talks about, does this serve me? When you're looking at making major decisions or doing anything in life, even the small ones, just think real quick, does this serve me? Does this serve my long-term outcome? That will allow you to take a lot more action or inaction. You know, the, sometimes the best decisions you make are the ones you don't make. So just just super valuable. There's one more little, little note that I wanted to, to talk about. He talks about most times we don't want to do it right? Most times you don't actually feel like doing it, which this morning I didn't want to wake up early. I'm sure you didn't want to do the same. You know, maybe there's other things that could have produced higher revenue that we could be doing instead of this podcast, but they got to get done, which is why we created the system in consistency wins, which I call, I, I coined it build and I'll just briefly overview it. And we, if you guys want to go into it, you guys have our link in the bio and all that stuff. But for build, it's what can I do for my body? What can I do for you, you yourself? What can I do for my income? What do I do for love in terms of relationships? What do I do for my personal development? If you can knock out each one of those pillars each day, your emotions don't matter. How you feel doesn't matter. You're pushing the needle forward no matter what. And lastly, we just want to promote his book. You know, we don't want to be too long-winded in this intro. We want to get you right into the podcast so that you can hear all the amazing things Keegan has to say. But Selfish to Selfless was one of the best books that I've ever read. Um, honestly, it's the, I, I call it the, the Bible for anyone that's a high achiever. Literally, you can just continue to revert back to it in all different situations of your life. It's evergreen for sure. And Keegan did such a great job. When we're in this interview, he didn't have re he hasn't released the book yet, but we had our group and him come on in January and talk about this book. And it was uh, you know, it was a massive hit. And he's almost done with his second book at this point, which is crazy. And lastly, before you hop into it, if you do see value in this podcast, pay the fee, right? introduce us to someone within your network, share us on Instagram, share us on Facebook, LinkedIn, whatever you want to share us on. And then also, if you think you're a good fit for our group, which if you're listening to this podcast, I have a good feeling that 90% of people listening to this are a good fit for this group. Let us know. You know, we have the, the links in our bios. We have the links in our Instagram, all that stuff. So without further ado, Coach Keeg. Right, we got here Coach Keeg, also known as Keegan Schaefer. This was a 
person that I got connected to through Brandon Giddickson, who was on the podcast, a very prominent player in our book group, um, huge believer in consistency wins. How's it going, Keegan? Amazing. How are you gentlemen today? I am doing so well. Um, I, I have to imagine it's been like a month since we got connected via email and then we scheduled a call and um, everything that we talked about was just so congruent. Our values were so congruent. And then you connected me with Craig, who I've become really good friends with. So just funny how the world works and how things accelerate within a short month. Absolutely. Absolutely. I find that the world always puts us in front of the right people when we need it. Yes, sir. Well said. So you are a self-mastery coach specializing in millennial awareness. Let's unpack that because, I mean, I've seen – we've talked to a lot of self-mastery coaches, but specializing in millennial awareness, why don't you unpack what you do, how you came to do that, and then um, you know what the millennial awareness looks like? Absolutely. So I think it's a very unique situation. We look at the industrial revolution and, and the generation that really raised us or raised me at least right before – I was born and, and there was this ideology of work really hard. It was a systematized workplace where people would come in and you just clocked in, you clocked out, you did your job, that was it. Then we saw between 1985 and 1995, there was a shift and we started to enter into the internet era. And that whole ideology changed. People were under this premise of you know work smarter, not harder. And sometimes that element of work ethic was put to the side a little bit. So what I realized is that there is a very unique opportunity to be in that bridge in that middle between industrial revolution, systematization, and then the other side, which was this open workplace where people were able to go and explore and expand and experiment and, and build things that were incredible. So the reason why I really love working with millennials is because again, that 1985 to 1995 gap is a unique situation where people are between both of these different ideologies. And so what I've seen is that there are a lot of people that are coming up in that era that don't know exactly what they want to do. They know they're here for a greater purpose. They know they're here to contribute to the world and change people's lives, but they don't know how to unpack that. So I'm a very firm believer that everybody has a unique set of skills, talents, gifts, abilities that they can use to help change somebody else's life. And when you change the lives of other people, you solve a problem. When you solve a problem at a particular point, you can charge for that and you can help change more lives. And it just snowballs and you just build and build and build. So I, I got into this through my own personal experience. This has been a lifelong journey. I'm absolutely passionate about what I do. I wake up, I go to sleep every day, all day. I think about this stuff. It's my life. So it's been an, a remarkable journey. I love the process of seeing people that have a lost identity or they're not doing amazing in maybe their career or their health or their personal development or whatever that might be and seeing that transformation from point A to point B. Same person, different results. And, and that's really what I live for. That's amazing, man. So let's let's unpack that journey. Why don't you take us a little bit further back into your life and where you were and what sparked this? Absolutely. So it really starts from conception. My parents were young. They divorced a week before I was born. My mom was not really prepared to raise a child. And my grandparents really raised me till about the age of six. I moved back in with my mom. She remarried. Her husband was extremely abusive physically, mentally, emotionally, put my mom in the hospital many, many times. 
you know, put me in the hospital. It was, it was a bad non-conducive environment and I did not have proper healthy coping mechanisms. I didn't know where to turn. I didn't have role models. I felt abandoned. By the time I was 12, I got my first job doing landscaping. Unfortunately, I was surrounded with people that were heavy drinkers. So that became my vice. I turned to alcohol to solve my problems. And that went down a further road of addiction and abandonment and not really knowing where I fit in. By the time I was 15, I was suicidal. I was admitted to a psych ward where I actually lived. When I got out of the psych ward, my mom kicked me out. So I was homeless at the age of 16. So there was this process of going from abandonment, facing addiction, not really knowing where to turn, you know, not having any real self-value or worth. And I, I had so much pain on my shoulders. I realized that with that experience, I can relate to people that have gone through similar situations. So what I learned was that I loved helping people, not just to establish a real prominent identity and actually change not just their life, but other people's lives, but then also go back and eradicate that programming, change the limiting beliefs and completely change the trajectory of somebody's life. And then the third piece to that is creating a strategy or plan to actually achieve that identity. So it's been this amazing journey, a lot of dark times, but without that depth of pain, I wouldn't be able to increase my ceiling for success. So I realized I was not only able to relate to a lot of people that have endured pain of all different traumas and experiences, et cetera, but I, I absolutely loved seeing people go from point A to point B to completely change their life and change the lives of others. So this has been an ongoing process. And, and again, I'm absolutely in love with what I do. So you were kicked out of the house at 16. What was that like for you, if you don't mind talking about this? And then did you have any support? I mean, if your mom, if your mom's not supporting you, did you have any other adults in your life that, that contributed to you know, helping you, you know, get back on your feet? So short answer, no. My, my father and I were not close at all. We didn't even speak. And he ended up having a severe heart attack at 52 and died on the spot. His father, same situation, severe heart attack, 50 died. Dad wasn't in the picture. Mom was, you know, she was doing her thing. She was in her world. Um, the support system that I've really had as my backbone throughout life has been my grandparents. But with mm. that being said, there are certain conversations that can't be had. So, and, and what I mean specifically is they were, they were born, you know, Catholic, very, very religious fit people. And, and they didn't understand the addiction concept. They didn't understand this adversity and some of the things that I had endured because of that generational difference. So right. that experience was very unique. I mean, it was, it was a consistency of sleeping in my car, uh, sleeping on couches, going to friends' houses. And it was a really great opportunity for self-development and, and learning what I was actually capable of. Yeah, and you and you've taken you've taken all these experiences to develop a, a a value that you can provide to other people. What does that look like now? What does the business look like now? How did that start up, and has that growth looked? What does that growth look like for you since that that journey began? Great question. So when I originally started this path, I just started with friends and family. I just said, "Hey guys, look, I understand that you may have a particular pain point. I think I have the solution for it. Let's give it a shot." And then I started getting people results, and people were they were fired up. They're like, Oh my gosh, I never thought this was even possible. You know, I want more. And then, so I, I, I turned that, that solution for a problem into a business model and business blew up. 
So I was not only able to help people on the, on the personal self-mastery side and leveling up, but also on the business development side. I was super passionate about all of these amazing, talented people that we, we are surrounded with that didn't know how to materialize and monetize a concept they had. And so starting with nothing, going into organizations, building top-tiered sales teams within literally one to three months, you know, recruiting, hiring, and training people in a city I'd never even visited. I love seeing people level up. And, and that became the mission. So, you know, the, the money is the byproduct, but the end result is where do you want to be? What is your identity? If you keep doing the same thing, you know, three months from now, six months from now, 10 years from now, what is that going to do to your life? What is that going to do to your family members and your friends? So being able to just go through this journey of seeing people change their lives, you know, building amazing relationships, meeting incredible people all over the world. It's just been absolutely fascinating. I was able to take that a level further and join boards as a nonprofit member and help people. Uh, I didn't mention this, but when I was a child, I had a speech impediment. I couldn't pronounce 13 letters in the English alphabet, which is very difficult coming up. So, you know, I wouldn't even open my mouth. I would just be quiet all the time. And, and so wow. when I joined a board of helping people all across the world, people in Nepal, Africa, parts of Asia, you know, change their life from having a speech impediment or a stutter or a stammer and be able to level up. It's just a, an evolution of experiencing trauma and not just letting that trauma fester and hold you down, but actually using that as your stepping stone to get to the next level, to become your best version. Yeah. And, and your story is your biggest asset which is, which is crazy. And, and it's wild how people go through and everyone experiences adversity. And I, I gotta admit, you've experienced a lot more adversity than I did living in my little bubble here in Long Island. Um, but you've used that as an asset and it's, it's crazy to think that some people just, um, succumb to their, their experiences and what their environment was. And they just say, nah, I had it rough. And they come up with excuses. How do you deal with those types of people? I have to imagine you have people that you bring in um, low self-confidence, play the victim mentality. How do you go about um, being empathetic towards that, but also trying to motivate them to get out of that situation? Phenomenal question. Very simple. Find the root, find the derivative. Okay, great point. How do we do that? So what you do is I've, I've found that there are six human fears that are at some point in people's lives relevant. So what that means is that an example of this would be the fear of criticism. That's a very relevant one for a lot of people in a lot of scenarios. So when there are people that say, oh my gosh, I've endured this pain. I've experienced this. I've gone through that. It is, it is, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. You have experienced that. Now, there are three really relevant questions to ask in those scenarios. Question number one, what's the lesson here? Question number two, what is the opportunity? And question number three, how can I use this experience to impact or change the lives of other people? So that's, that's a phenomenal way to approach it. But really the truth of the matter is, is that the only real constructs that limit us as individuals are the ones that we create within our own minds. You're not going to go outside and have an actual boulder fall in your head or be confronted by a saber toothed tiger. Those were real fears thousands of years ago. They're not now, but we still have human constructed fears. Another one would be the fear of poverty. Very relevant, very real fear. People face this all the time. So to answer the question, the point is you've got to actually face, identify, and address the adversity and the pain that was happened. 
It makes me think of the book Atomic Habits because a huge shift in my growth was no longer identifying with what I want to do. It's who I want to become, right? So it becomes this identity shift. For example, it's like, let's say someone wants to quit smoking, right? And there's two people, same exact situation. They're both chronic smokers. Um, You offer them a cigarette. One person says, no, I'm trying to quit. The other person says, no, I'm not a smoker. Who has a better chance of... um, beating that addiction, right? The person that no longer identifies as that, right? So uh, on the contrary, identifying as someone that you want to be and your habits now matching up with that, now you're congruent to it and now you're manifesting it. Now it's going to happen guaranteed. Absolutely. Great book as well, Atomic Habits. It's actually right next to me. It's funny that you mentioned that one. Um, Love it. Yeah. It's it's a big reference for, for a lot of things in life for sure. Right, right. Yeah, I just wanted to really emphasize the point of the RAC, the reticular activating system. So this is a small strand about the size of a pencil that's in the back of our necks. And what it does is it processes your sight, your sound, and your touch. Now, the the smell and the taste are actually in your prefrontal lobe. So it is an emotional response. And, and the reason I bring this up is because when you mentioned manifestation, the fascinating thing is there are exercises to divulge this. But what you find is that most people predominantly focus or fixate or respond most to one of those three. So again, sight, sound, touch. If you can determine which one or two or three of those are your predominant responses, you can absolutely change your manifestation process. So what I mean by that is if you've ever wanted to buy, let's just say a Jeep, for example, And then you go out on the street and everywhere you go, you see these Jeeps all over the place. It's not that more Jeeps are on the road now. It's that you are focusing on those Jeeps and now you're manifesting them. So everywhere you turn, you see these Jeeps. And and the same thing is true. When it talks about manifestation, I mean, you brought up a phenomenal point. You can absolutely focus, fixate, and change your identity but again, that is the starting point. And, and, and what you were saying is tying your identity to the actions or the results or the end result. And that's the thing. And, and to take that another level deeper, you may have heard of the concept, burn the boats. This is a big one from Tony Robbins, but essentially, you know, Persia um, was invaded and the statistics were in favor of Persia. And so when Caesar took his boats and his his army and they they went to Persia, he basically saw the doubt and the fear in all of their eyes because they were outnumbered. And he said, look, burn the boats. If we burn the boats, we don't have an opportunity to retaliate. We can either succeed or die. And they ended up winning the war. And And that's really the concept. If you want to stop doing something or if you want to change your identity, you no longer affiliate with that. Just like the smoking example you brought up. If you don't identify as a smoker anymore and you burn those boats, you don't buy cigarettes, you don't surround yourself with people that smoke, then yeah, that process of change is immediate. So I just Mm -hmm. wanted, I just wanted to share that. Yeah. And one thing, and sorry to cut you off, Lynn, I know you want to ask a question. One, just to piggyback off that one thing that I write on my whiteboard every single day. And if you're listening to this and you're going through this process and trying to have that identity shift, this is one question I ask myself every day to make sure that I'm pushing the needle forward. Are my habits a reflection of who I want to become? If you can confidently say yes to that question, you know, you're developing and over time that success is guaranteed. I love it. I love it. And, and love it. One last thing, and then I'm going to hand it to you, Landon. I'm sorry, but I I always like to ask myself the question, does this serve me? You can actually have a, I had a wristband made for this and it simply said, does this serve me? And every time I went to make an action, 
I had to stop and look at that wristband and say, okay, does this serve my identity? And if it doesn't, I don't do it. And if it does, I do it. But Landon. Yeah, no, I mean, this has been cool just sitting back and listening to all of it. And and as I as I'm listening to all of this, we're talking about manifestation and 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 how to, you know, what you talk about burning the ships, right? But in, in general, I step back and I can't I almost can't get over the fact that you were you got kicked out at 16 and, and you mentioned you didn't know thir- you couldn't pronounce 13 of the letters in the alphabet but listening to you here in just 15 20 minutes uh, you know what goes through my mind is well holy hell what is what has that journey been like for you like how did you sharpen up you know how did you sharpen your sword how did you get to where you are you know intellectually you've written a book we'll get into that as well um, but what was that you know educational path or self-development path that you took to get to where you are to be this you know well-spoken successful individual Great question. I appreciate the sentiment. So the short end is I didn't tie it to my pain or myself. I tied it to other people. And when you when you tie your goals, your aspirations to other people, you don't want to let them down. So I could show up every day. And by the way, majority of the days, we are not going to feel like doing it. That's a human response because our brains are wired to keep us comfortable. So more often than not, you're going to have to convince yourself that you got to get up and do this. You made a commitment, follow through. But it's easy to say, oh, well, I don't feel well, or I went to bed late last night, or this, that, the other. You got to tie those to other people. If you make it about impacting other people, if you make it about changing other people's lives, that pulls you towards the destination versus you having to forcibly push yourself towards it. And that's really where you want to be. So the evolution started young. I actually had a speech pathologist, was able to make a lot of success at a young age. And then I was fortunate enough to fall into a company, a sales organization at a young age. I fell in love with it. I was able to sharpen and develop a lot of my skills through them and then take that even a level further. Went into college, had a lot of studies around public speaking and things of that nature and was on stages. You know, the, I think the biggest audience I've had to date was, was only 2,500 people but I know that that is going to expand and expand and expand. So it's really about facing it. So a fascinating point to this is when I was with Pathway with Stuttering, which is a nonprofit for people facing stammering, stuttering, speech impediments, what I learned is that the actual speech impediment was not the issue. Again, getting back to the root and the fear, the issue was the interpretation of what people thought somebody else might think, say, or do based on their stuttering stammering or impediment. So what happened is the concept of somebody might say, think, feel, or do this is going to hold me back is, is baffling when you really think about it, because most people are in their heads. They're thinking the same thing about somebody else. You know, what are they going to think about my clothes or my appearance or whatever? So it was just this phenomenal evolution of just facing the actual fear. And instead of closing my mouth, just speaking, meeting new people, you know, befriending people that were new to the school or the area and just getting out of the comfort zone and expanding. Yeah. I I love everything you just said there, man. It's like 90% of the stuff we come up with in our head is so fake, right? Like the whole time that we're worried about people of what they're thinking about us, they're worried about what we're thinking about them. So that's such a great point, man. It's, it's wild how fake uh, of distortion that we have in our heads and uh, it leads to a lot of anxiety. And I think, especially as men, we struggle with bringing that emotional side into it, right? Getting vulnerable, um, thinking that therapy is weak 
or crying is weak. So what, what is your message to specifically men, millennial men that have struggled with that? I mean, we've all been through trauma of some sort. How do we get out there and connect with humans, use a holistic approach? What's your approach to that? That's a, that's a great point, Antonio. So the vulnerability component for millennial males is absolutely critical. There is a stigma in our society, as you have mentioned, that there is a level of weakness if we are vulnerable. But truthfully, quite the contrary is true. If we really want to build deep relationships with anybody on any front in any context, we have to be vulnerable. Now, there are different elements and layers to this. One of those elements and layers are setting appropriate boundaries. When we talk about boundaries, you've got physical boundaries and then you know verbal, emotional, mental boundaries. So that vulnerability component is not to say that I don't have boundaries. It is to say, look, I've experienced this. I'm being real with you. I'm letting my walls down. Now other people around me have the ability to trust me deeper. Could I potentially get hurt? Sure. But you could also get hurt even more if you're not vulnerable because of the relationships, the opportunities lost, you know, the, the things that could have happened, but you let fear take over. And so they never did. So I think that the, the underlying message and result and the solution to this is to, if you can identify the problem, the pain point, the, the, the fear around vulnerability, face it, just face it because your confidence is going to dramatically increase your wherewithal, your resolve, you're going to go from a point of saying, I'm living in fear to a point of wearing it on your shoulder and being so authentic and genuine that the people that need to be in your life that need to find you and manifest and magnetize towards you are going to just come to you because you are drawing that energy forth. So that level Dude. of vulnerability brings the wall down as a male millennial, not just for other male millennials that are peers, but also for females right? Because now you've opened up your heart to them and now they have the opportunity to walk in that door and build a real relationship that's authentic and genuine. This conversation is happening at the exact right time. It's so funny that as you continue to read books, um, these conversations just start to take place and they're so relative to the books that you're reading in the world. It's, it's funny how that works. So I'm reading the, the book called The War of Art, not The Art of War, The War of Art um, by Stephen Pressfield. And it talks about the resistance how resistance mm. is just there, right? Resistance is fear. How we're scared to realize our dreams because of the fact that there are obstacles in the way. And this is exactly what you're talking about, right? The resistance could show up in the um, my inability to get vulnerable or in all these different ways. And what I've learned, and it was a big reflection for me this weekend, actually, it was like, okay, understanding that that resistance is always going to be there, right? It has to be there because it's the yin and yang. How can I achieve accomplishment without overcoming something? So the resistance, identifying it, loving it, showing compassion towards it and saying, thank you for being here because I know you have to be there. And then walking alongside it and going through and saying, hey, you're not going to bother me. I'm still going to get this done. Um, so, so, oh my God, so powerful, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Of course. And, and I love the point you just brought up, Antonio, because the reality is, guys, pain is inevitable. No matter what you do, where you go, pain will always be there. The demons are going to follow you around. You could choose geographic relocation. Let's say that you live in California and you have all these problems and quarrels and you go, you know what? I'm going to move to Ohio. That's going to solve things. And you show up to Ohio. Guess what? Those demons followed you because they're in your head. So the pain is always going to be there. It's about choosing your pain, 
choosing your sacrifices. You got to, again, you, you said this beautifully, Antonio, having the identity. Once you have already identified, okay, this is who I'm going to be. I might not be them right now, but every day I'm striving to achieve that. Through that process, I need to face pain. What are some of those pains? Well, maybe I have to wake up earlier. Maybe I get less sleep. Maybe I have conversations that are uncomfortable, but crucial. You know, all of these things where pain is relevant, but what you got to do is you got to look at two things. You got to look at the short-term versus the long-term. The short-term pain right now, is that worth going through that and making these sacrifices for the long-term reward? And that's really what you have to evaluate. We get so caught up and and I don't want to get too much in a tangent, but I think this is a very, very relevant point. When we look at words in the United States, English, well, I shouldn't say United States, but in English has more words than any other language in the world, 750,000. The second closest, German, 300,000. When we actually take that a level deeper, English is primarily comprised of verbs. Of those verbs, two-thirds of those verbs are negative connotations. So when we look at that, that's fascinating. We compare this to Mandarin Chinese. Their words are primarily comprised of nouns. It is also the slowest spoken language in the world. Nouns are more long-term, long-lasting things. So when we break down the terms and the words that we're using, there is a direct reflection to results. And and again, that's relevant because are we looking at the short-term or the long-term? The words that we use right now in front of us in the short term are immediately affecting the long-term results. I want to make sure that we, as we close up here in the last five minutes or so, I want to make sure that we give you the chance to talk about your book. What's the name of your book? What's it about? Um, and any highlights you think that our, our listeners should know. Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity, Landon. So the book is called Selfish to Selfless. And essentially... The concept of the book is is quite simple. I don't want to sound cliche, but look, I'll tell it to you like this. There was a poll the other day on social media, and there was a mother, and the mother came on and said, there's you, your children, your spouse. Which order do you prioritize these people? And majority of people, like 80% of them said their children first, and then it would either be their spouse or themselves. And the, the, the way that I found that was so fascinating to me because, again, cliche, but if you have a cup and we put water into it, and let's say you don't get a proper amount of sleep and you don't do your personal development, so your cognizance isn't up for the day and you don't go to the gym, so you're not firing on all cylinders and you haven't eaten healthy, you're going to show up in that day and you are not going to perform at your best. How does that affect other people? Well, if you're not at your best, that trickles over into your kids. And when they go to school and when they go into public and now they don't give other people their best. And so what ends up happening is just by you getting stuck in that state, you're actually inadvertently affecting everybody in your community and everybody around you. So the premise is you have to be selfish and intentional in making yourself better so that you can intentionally, selflessly serve all the people around you that need to hear your message that needs your gift, your experience, your skills. So the whole purpose of the book is to actually break down a framework of five intentional foundations. The point is, if you focus in these five foundations, that is your roadmap, that is your model that you can carry throughout life. The application in each foundation will change, but the foundations are relevant from birth, from conception to death. Those foundations are number one, your body. 
which is fascinating because when we're first born, the first entity that we have any authority over is our body. But psychologically, before we can speak or anything, we're exploring, we're seeing what, what, what this is and what that is and how it operates and works. The body is also the last thing that we take to our grave. So, so it's very important to have a system, a routine, a habit in enhancing your body. Foundation number two, your mind. The mind is possibly the most difficult foundation to tackle. It's ongoing, it's everlasting, but it's also the most rewarding. So the mind is something that, again, develops typically between the age of three and five. The reason I say that is because up until the age of three in a human, the prefrontal cortex is not yet developed. So that's why oftentimes you hear people say, oh, you can't remember things before the age of three. Well, scientifically, you can't because your prefrontal cortex is not developed. Once you develop that and you can store memory and you can start to speak and you learn symbols and letters and numbers and colors and figures, then you're firing on that second level. Foundation number three, heart. These are your relationships. If you have a bad relationship or toxicity in one, it can ruin every other aspect of your life quicker than anything else. One of the quotes I really like for relationships is, holding hate in your heart is the equivalent of drinking poison and hoping that it affects the person that hurt you. And I had to go through mm. this myself, you know, living under a roof where the, the, this guy is not my actual blood relative, but he adopted me. He's my stepfather. I carry his name, but he comes in and abuses me all the time, you know, almost kills my mom in front of me. Meanwhile, I had two sisters he never touched. So he would literally sit there and beat me in front of these two girls and never put a hand on them. Talk about hatred in your heart. I carried that for years. I had to let that go. Foundation number four is your spirit. So the spirituality is fascinating. This is this is deeper. This is the existential questions, everything around us. This is not about religion. And oftentimes that's where people get caught up as they say, when I hear spirituality, I automatically think religion. That is not the case. Spirituality is getting deeper into the world, ex expanding on time, money, matter, you know, existence, life, all of these deeper things. So what you'll notice is that the first three foundations are all internal structures and battles, right? Your mind, body, and heart. The fourth, the spirituality, that's actually an external battle. So once you can fight the internal battles and the external battles, you get to foundation number five. Foundation number five is the whole purpose of the book. That is your purpose. And I'll share one quick story here and then I'll wrap this up and give it back to you guys. But when we talk about purpose, I love this analogy. In 1761 in Europe, a cathedral was bombed. There were three individuals that were working on the wall to rebuild this cathedral. All three of them were on the same team. The first guy kneeling down, laying a brick. Second guy crouched over slightly, laying a brick. Third guy standing up, laying a brick. This guy goes to the first one and says, what are you doing? He says, I am working to provide for my family. The second guy says, I am working to build a wall. The third guy says, I am building a cathedral to change the lives of worship for all of the people to come. Now you see all three of them were doing the same thing. They were all laying bricks, but the first guy did it to make money. That's career. The second guy, it was occupational and it was a larger task, but it was still for money, for career. The third guy was working for purpose. So the chapter that I love in purpose, I call the golden ticket. We take that same concept of the bricklayers. 
Step one is career. Anybody right now can go out into the economy and get a job and making money. Step number two is passion. Somewhere from childhood to adulthood, we lose our passion because somebody told us we couldn't do it, or we told ourselves we couldn't do it, or we went through a little bit of adversity or an obstacle and just gave up. The passion is for us. Step three of the golden ticket is purpose. And ultimately what purpose is, is to be able to contribute back to all the people in the world. So you tie all of this together, you make money by doing something you enjoy while contributing to others and the world. That's the golden ticket. So I I summarize all of that in sharing. If you focus on these five foundations, your body, mind, heart, spirit, and purpose, if you can focus energy and effort on a daily or weekly basis in all of these throughout the remainder of your life, you will live in joy and fulfillment. And that is ultimately the reason why we are here. What is Keegan's purpose? My purpose is to change the lives of millions of people. My vision statement is very simple. Become the millennial Tony Robbins. So my goal is to be on stages, speak to thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people to help them identify what their true calling is. And by doing this together, we can absolutely change the world. Let's go. I love this, man. Thank you so much for sharing. There's so much that we could touch on. Anything that you wanted to leave us off with? I mean, there's, there's so much more I could where can, comment on. Where can I get? Says. Where can we get this book? Where can our listeners, you know, go purchase this book as well? Yeah, great question. So there are two versions currently. One's on Kindle. The other's on Amazon. It was self-published, and I'm in the works right now of having a voice actor do an Audible version. So currently, Amazon. You know, there's so much that that I love, like, because you said selfish to selfless, right? It makes me think of McConaughey talks about how all he wants to do is be an egotistical utilitarian, right? How can I be the best person for myself to then serve the world in the best possible way? Um, So it's all about filling up your cup first to then pour into others. And, you know, that's what you're doing one day at a time, man. Thank you so much for pouring your heart into this podcast. And, you know, you are completely congruent offline as you are here. So I'm really excited to continue this journey with you and read the book. Well, Landon, Antonio, thank you guys so much for having me. I love the energy. The group is fantastic. I I love exactly what you guys are doing. And and again, as you had started out, our values are combined and they're similar and they're congruent. So that's why we're able to do this. And guys, at the end of the day, we're here to help change people's lives. And and truly, the root of that is to prove that we are valuable and have, have a level of worth to the world. So thank you guys so much for all you do. I'm so excited to come speak to the group. And if there's anything else you need, just let me know. Yes, sir. Well, thanks so much, man. Have a great rest of your day. You too, guys.